ruptured. He stood for a moment admiring his yard, then grinned and waved to Jackson as he bent to pick up the hose and give it a sharp tug, causing the attached sprinkler to tumble across the turf to a new spot. Indian summer was in full swing in Post Oak, Texas, population 5,387, and soon folks would be storing away the hoses and sprinklers and hauling out the bushel baskets and leaf rakes. Jackson could almost smell the burning leaves and his neighbor's honest sweat. He frowned as he looked at his own yard. His wife's prized azaleas drooped against the iron fence begging for water, while the wisteria beside the porch snaked happily around the downspout and up onto the roof. His lawn was a field of dandelions, their seed balls bobbing like soap bubbles in the breeze. He would have to see about getting Willie B. Scott to come around and pull things together. The place had gone to seed since Gretchen died. Jackson smiled, thinking of his feisty little wife. He missed her. She'd been only 37 when the doctors diagnosed leukemia. She died 18 months to the day later. After six months of confusion and grief, Jackson and Patty had settled into a comfortable, if haphazard, routine, barely noticing the house and yard. Jackson had hired Ludy Faye Ivory to come in five days a week to fix meals and do laundry. On weekends, they were left to fend for themselves. Jackson flipped his spent cigar over the porch rail. He stretched and yawned. Think I'll have a nap, he said. How about walking down to the cafe for some supper after I get up? Patty flicked an assenting finger his way, not taking her eyes from her book. Jackson and Patty walked over cracked and buckled sidewalks to the Wagon Wheel Cafe, which sat square in the middle of the block. Even on its best days, Post Oak was not an attractive town. On Sunday evening, when the streets were deserted, it was downright depressing, what with cast-off papers hugging the gutters and little cyclones of dust rising up in the middle of the street. The one traffic light at the intersection of Main and Franklin only blinked yellow. Post Oak was settled in the mid-19th century and remained much the same sleepy farming community for 90 years. It had been reborn during the East Texas oil boom of the 30s, its streets teeming with hustlers and roughnecks hoping to make a quick buck. For a few short years, the promise of easy money had lifted the spirits of depression-weary locals as well. Lease hounds occupied every street corner on Saturday afternoons, promising riches to farmers who were only too willing to sign over their mineral rights for pennies an acre. A few locals made money. Most did not and had to stand by and watch their land cut to shreds by ruddy roads leading to huge stinking drilling rigs that spewed forth foul smoke and not much more. Still, for a while, little Post Oak reveled in the dream before the oil dried up and the town settled back into sun-baked inertia. At the end of the block, the residential area gave way to commercial, and the pair walked past the wagon bag which this week sported triangular plastic streamers extending from the square brick building to the two gas pumps out front. Newspaper racks by the door contained the Dallas Morning News and the Post Oak Sentinel. Signs in the windows advertised ice cream bars, Miller beer, and Mrs. Baird's bread. Several boys with bikes lingered near the Coke machine, talking loudly and glancing obliquely at Patty. I hate when they do that, she said. Isn't that sunny smart?
I really didn't notice, she tossed her head. Inside, the wagon wheel was bright with fluorescent light and smelling of potatoes frying. The walls were painted green, now stained from years of grease and smoke. The counter stools and chair seats were covered with green pearlescent plastic. Rip Riggins, the owner, had recently installed a brand new frozen custard machine behind the counter. The place was almost empty when Jackson and Patty arrived. The only other patrons were the Haygood brothers, Bob and Bill, who sat hunched over mugs of coffee at the counter. Bob was trying to tell a joke to Muriel, the waitress. That ain't the way it went, brother, Bill said. You see, this monkey tells the bartender, Who's telling this story? Bob said. Now shut up before you give away the punchline. See, the monkey was wearing a tuxedo, but there wasn't no hole for his tail to hang through. Booth or table? Jackson asked.